Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine. Pimelo Mutine on SAFM. On SAFM. Well, good afternoon. It is nine minutes after one o'clock on uh, Life Happens. Thank you so much for being with us. And I just want to thank all of you that send in your messages with uh, that conversation we had yesterday. It was really, really fruitful. What we'll do is that we'll, we'll, we'll touch on some of the elements at some point. We will definitely go back. I know that we were not able to get to all your voice notes and, and all the things that you wanted to touch base on. We will certainly continue with the, with the kind of conversation that we started yesterday of of social cohesion i think we cannot do it justice in just one particular show or at least even just two hours i think we need more time and so we will certainly make more time to just expand a bit more on some of the things that we started touching base on and i also want to thank all my guests and of course you as well who who took part in that conversation okay so today is a tuesday and what we do on a tuesday is we look at indigenous knowledge systems and um today we are going to be looking at um the tongas uh the shanghai and um, it's going to be an interesting conversation because there is so much that I, as we were reading through the material that I felt um, I was learning and I thought it's going to be of such value to all of us. So let me just go right into it. Professor Moshe Ngondo is my guest this afternoon, chairman and chairperson of the Rashishaka Forum. And uh, he's on the line. I think he's busy on another line at the moment. We'll try and see if we can clear that up. Um, and listen, it's 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 always a learning experience when we have these conversations. And so when, you know, if, if at any point you are unclear about something, if at any point you want to contest anything, please start calling in and let us know. Okay, 011-714-2006. Or you can send a voice note on 0614-104-107. Let's try that again. Uh, Professor Moshe Ngon. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for making the time to talk to us. Well, thank you very much for the invitation. It's a great honor for me. It is wonderful to talk to you, Professor. Um, you know, as as we were starting um, to talk about this uh, this upcoming conversation with you, we had such a long debate, and I think let's start it there, such a long debate about what would be the most appropriate term to use. And and there was this contestation about the use of the Tsonga people not being appropriate and saying the Tsongas, and just maybe help us by way of education. You know, what is right and what is not right? I think uh, to, to start because uh, this has a colonial history. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you say the Zonga people, yes. this is the stance this is the stance of the outsider. Mm-hmm. The one who comes from Europe and identifying Africans as significantly different. They are the people, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you wouldn't say these are the French people or the English people. You say they are the, the English. <laughs> the English. Yes. But the Africans, they are the Tsonga people, they are the Zulu people. So it's a, it's a very colonial anthropologist term. Mm-hmm. And it's not acceptable. Now, nowadays, you just say, are these the Vatongas? Vatonga is appropriate name. Batonga. Batonga, yes. And then Bash- the Shang- and then mm-hmm. Tonga is the language of the Tongas. Okay. Are, are you still there, Prof? Yes, I'm there. Okay. So there's a major distinction mm-hmm. uh, culturally and politically between Batonga and the Tonga people. 
Yes, I, I, I think we, yeah, I'm, I'm with you there because you were saying that, you know, the, using the term the people uh, is just, a, you know, as you're saying, those who've arrived and said those people kind of yes, kind of reference. Um, and so it, it just wouldn't fit anywhere, you know, in this day and age at all. So we completely scrapped that and we move right on. And I, I think it's, it's such an important lesson there. Thank you very much for that. No problem. Thank you. Okay. So where do Batsonga come from? <laughs> we are getting into a very messy history here. Mm-hmm. As far as we are concerned, the problem we have now is that uh, we have, because of uh, Eurocentric education, mm-hmm. uh, most of what we know about Africa uh, comes out of colonial histories mm-hmm. and colonial anthropology. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we must be very, very careful about origins and the history. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of how we, the Zongas, you know, think about ourselves, how we think about our history in the world. Mm. Zonga originally come from the Great Lakes, that's where we come from. Mm-hmm. as far as we can trace our origins. Mm-hmm. The growth of the Great Lakes, but then because of various and not various forces, we migrated and got scattered around, you know, the most of Southern Africa. Mm-hmm. Okay. We, we won't go into the history of migrations, but usually it was, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was um, instigated, as it were, by searching for better pastures, mm-hmm. more secure land. This is, this is it, was, it was not voluntary migrations. Okay. There were there were there were existential factors that caused the migration. So we migrated from the Great Lakes mm-hmm. into. Zambezi. Mm-hmm. Before it was called Zimbabwe, mm-hmm. <laughs> we migrated into Zambezi and into Saint Lucia. Mm-hmm. We might even da- da- down to what today is called Durban. Mm-hmm. I'm saying so-called because one has to be careful about about using the identities as we change. Their political geography itself has changed. But what is now called Durban is, is the furthest point we went coming down from, from the Great Lakes. So we settled, um, we, we, we settled in Zambezi, we settled in St. Lucia, and we migrated further into what is called Durban. Mm-hmm. We even migrated further into what is called Swaziland mm-hmm. and, uh, and Komati, what now is called Komati Port. Mm-hmm. So these are the, the migrations, you know, even the migrations uh, over time and space, mm-hmm. over time and the place. And of course, you know, when, uh, when, uh, when, uh, when, uh, um, uh, uh, and out of those migrations, mm-hmm. Out of of that geography, out of those politics, 
we developed what could safely be called a Vatsonga identity. Okay. Yeah, I think that is how I'm being very, very quick, and but I think fairly accurate that out of those movements, motivated by a lot of forces, both political and ecological, we formed what is now called a Vatsonga identity. Is that identity unified? The, now you're asking <laughs> a very complex question. <laughs> I think it's fair to say it has a stable set of features. Okay. Prof, what, what, um, what I mean is that prof, it is a recognizable uh, language. Okay. Prof, I'm going to ask us all to grab a piece of pen. You said it's complex, so we're going to prepare ourselves for the lesson. I'm going to ask that we take a piece of pen and, uh, you know, gather ourselves because it sounds like we're going to need it. And I'm going to ask um, that we also maybe take a quick break and I'll be back with more of the questions that are coming through. There are many people actually already who are asking questions. I'm going to come back to you, Tabo. I do see you and I'm going to come back to the voice notes that are coming through. Professor Moshe Ngondo is my guest and we are talking about Batonga in this Indigenous Knowledge Systems uh, feature today. Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine on SAFM, leading the conversation. Thank you so much for con, uh, continuing to, to dial in on this particular feature today. It's an Indigenous Knowledge Systems conversation and we are talking about Batonga. My guest is Professor Moshe Ngondo, who's a chairperson of Rishaka Forum. Tabo, thank you so much for calling. You're calling from Kimberley. Good afternoon. Uh, good afternoon, Pimelo, and the professor there. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, uh, thank you very much for a very interesting topic. Um, I don't want to reveal too much about myself, but I've befriended people uh, and I've actually lived with people that speak Sitonga. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm originally from the Free State, so okay. you can imagine. Uh, in the free state, there isn't much of uh, the Tonga people uh, speaking people or the Batonga. Let me not use people. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, 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 and uh, it was very quick for me really to learn the language because I learned there are so many similarities, uh, you know, among indigenous uh, South African languages. Mm. Whether you group them into Sutu and Guni, but there will always be similarities. Mm. But I, I like what the professor said. In fact, uh, with my background in the military, I had an opportunity to travel in most parts of, of the continent. I mean, in, in Mozambique just here, uh, I'm sure the professor will address it if he hasn't addressed it as yet. The people in Mozambique, you know, other than Portuguese being the national language, but they also speak uh, Sitonga. Hmm. So so, so they, 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 the roots of the language are also there. In fact, uh, you, you know, even those that come from that side that are in South Africa, it's very easy to communicate with them because it's the same language. Mm-hmm. But also what I wanted to say, because Professor was saying, you know, Batsonga, and generally, generally accepted that, uh, you know, the, 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 the African people here in South Africa came, you know, through migration or, you know, uh, back in the days from the north, you know. And I think that story ties up very well with the story that even Egypt, even though now it is being conceptualized as an Arab uh, or even an European uh, uh, history, it's actually African people that built those pyramids that were in Africa. That's why even now everything has been westernized. 
the stories that we have been told about Jesus, the cross and everything. You find all those things, their roots are in the in, in the hieroglyphics that are there in, in, in the in Egypt, but uh, just coming back to the language, for example, I have a very close colleague of mine because we, we are training providers here and we are members of the Association of Training Providers. I mean, a colleague of mine that's based in Sanen, she speaks uh, she speaks Tijuana fluently and she speaks CPAB, you know, she can speak any language you like, but she's actually, she calls herself a Mulebedu. And uh, now recently there was a video, a clip on Twitter that was trending and that lady was speaking Apparently, they call it different. They don't call it Sulebedi, and she's based in Zambia. But I can tell you, if you're a Motswana, you'll be able to understand uh, without any difficulty what that person is saying, even though the dialects differ here and there. So in other words, as far as Zambia, there, there are languages that are very similar to the language that we speak here in South Africa. So the same can be said about Songa uh, and many other languages that we speak in this country and in the neighboring countries. So in my view, really, we are one in the same as African people. It's just the history of segregation and all these borders that created the impression that we are different people. Like, I mean, I've had the privilege of living in France, and I can speak French. And if you look at Portuguese and Spanish, the root is the same. They, they have the same basic root. So the same with all these languages in Africa, really, we, we, we have the same root of the language. We are related in one way or another. But I really enjoy the topic that you guys are discussing, and it's important to enlighten us as African people to understand where we come from and how we relate to each other. We are not uh, different from each other as it's been, you know, portrayed out there. But thank mm. you very much. Thank, thank you. Uh, thank thank you. you so much. Thank you, okay. Pro- Prof, you okay. want to just add a, a word? Or two? Yes, please. Yeah, I think that thanks very much for very, very, you know, very, very wise, you know, comment made. Just, just, just to to make a point about language. Mm-hmm. There is what you find it in all traditions. In Africa, we have what we call the Ur language, the original language. You find the same kind of idea in the original European language coming out of Greek and Latin. And then proliferating and getting diversified over Europe and the States. In Africa, there's what they call the Ur, Ur language. And out of this language, we are associated with, uh, with uh, the Great Lake of Central Africa, came out a number of languages which bear significant resemblances, okay? And Tsonga is one of them. As they came into... Uh, Zambezi, into Mozambique, into, into what's called now KZN, as they came to South Africa, they of course assimilated other features mm-hmm. from other African languages. So what we have now is the, is the, is the, is a synthetic product of a whole history of diversity. Mm-hmm. Diversity is the word. But what the, the commentator said is very, very true. That the differences among African languages are not fundamental. Mm-hmm. They usually are, are you know, environmental, uh, ecological, what have you, but there are no fundamental differences. That's why we, we, we talk of an African phonetic system. Mm-hmm. 
which we can which we can identify and trace. Now, 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 what we call Tsonga mm-hmm. coming out of 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 the Great Lakes through Zambezi and and mixing up with the Shangans who came from what's today called Deben, led by Soishangana after the fight with the, with the, with the Shaka. Mm-hmm. That that political movement, okay, has um, has uh, has brought about significant correspondences among the various languages and and cultures. But there are also significant uh, differences. I think it's important for us to say, you know, the differences may, you know, are not fundamental. Mm-hmm. They are complementary, which means that mm-hmm. they can complement each other. Mm-hmm. That's why you will find that there are times when, when there are so many Zulu echoes, mm-hmm. In Shangan and Tsonga, so many, you know, you know, Shona echoes, you know, in in Tsonga because of the history of movement of migrations throughout space and time. That's where we are now. Also, we should know mm-hmm. that you know, that we are looking at this complex history through very recent artificial colonial boundaries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. What we call today South Africa was made. This place was not always Africa. This place you call Mozambique was not always Mozambique. The place you call Zimbabwe. What I mean that is these colonial boundaries, which are very, very recent, have been imposed on more ancient African identities, more ancient African identities. But I think we must be careful about that as we move forward. But the same time, how in the Zonga has 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 been affected by this movement, mm-hmm. and how it is adapt adapted to to to, to this history and this geography. Mm-hmm. Okay. Prof, let's take a pause there as we go to the headlines at 1.30. And I see most of you are sending voice notes. I'm going to play them immediately when we get back. And I also see calls coming through. I'm going to take those as well on 0112-714-2006. And you can send those voice notes on 0614-104-107. Batsonga is uh, what we're focusing our attentions on today on our uh, Indigenous Knowledge Systems uh, feature today on a Tuesday. All right, let me go to can you see Lemanyoni for the very latest in headlines? At SFM Radio and at Pimelo Mutile on Twitter. Today is Pimelo and the listeners of SFM. This is Anonymous from Cape Town. I just wanted to ask the prof um, if the Tongas are Kalangas because I've heard that they, uh, the Baloyis are Kalangas. So I just wanted to check with him if there is any relation to the Kalangas. Uh, which are also related to the Shona. Thank you. Hello from Tina in Durban. I wanted to ask the professor, so the language that uh, comes from Ur, yeah, and as he's saying, that's the original. Um, I wanted to find out if that ha- has any connection with the land of Ur of the Chaldeans, where Abraham comes from, because that will be very wonderful to say that 
um, the African people come from the same land where Abraham's ancestors were from. What a big connection to Africa that we love. Thank you for the program. Okay, Professor Moshe Nkondo is my guest. <laughs> I'm going to ask you to go right into that one, Prof. Yeah, can I, can yes, go ahead. I think let me deepen the crisis now. Mm-hmm. I think we are all aware that there's a universal acceptance that the cradle of mankind is in Africa. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that is <laughs> it's a very complicated anthropology. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I think what when we talk about that, and when we talk, and now that that cradle in South Africa is regarded as a world heritage site, sure. which means that all humanity acknowledges it as the origin, mm-hmm. and then there are proliferating of all of them. But let us go back to Kalanga. Mm-hmm. There was a chief, a chief who, who led a group of the Tongas from, from Mozambique. It was like, his name was called Malenga. And if you look very carefully, so what I'm trying to say is that the, the Kalangas and the Tongas share a history mm-hmm. and share a geography. Mm-hmm. We may disagree about specifics. Okay. Who led which movement? But, but in my book, Osima Lenga played a very significant in, in connecting people from Mozambique and, and Zimbabwe and now we cross Africa. And finally, if we find the Kalangas, of course, also in Botswana. But it is part of that movement. I'm sorry I can't be too precise it's because of the complexity of the history mm. and that most of our histories were written by colonialists and by missionaries, Lutheran and Swiss, Anglican. So what we have now, what we know as African history, and now we are trying to revise that, mm. were colonial projections. Okay. Mm. So I'm very good. But I think that there's enough scholarship to suggest that we have an independent view of our seminar history and the relationship between the Kalangas and the Tsongas and the Shangans because of the interactions as they move down south. So, 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 so okay. there is that. All right. I think later we can be more precise. We can ask we scholars can. to be specific, mm-hmm. but there is that shared identity. Mm. All and right. King Mulenga. Mm-hmm. played a very important part in that history. So, Prof, that, that means you are completely walking away from this um, origins of, uh, f- from the from the Abraham uh, origins that, that was asked to you by by one of the callers. About what? I didn't hear that. She, she was asking, uh, when you responded, you say, you know, we can all accept that um, all mankind comes from Africa. Um, yes. And, and her, her, her question around Ur, uh, and the relationship between the connection with Abraham, your response to that? Abraham, <laughs> that has to go back. You see, that is now imposing a Christian historiography mm-hmm. on Africa. Mm-hmm. Abraham, you know, you know, you know, appears 
in Christian theology. Mm-hmm. He appears in Christian history. Mm. He appears in Christian geography, which locates him in what is called today Israel. Mm-hmm. That is a Christian. That is a Christian historian. about Palestinians, about Arabs, about Jews. Mm. But nobody questions that Africa is the origin of humanity. Mm. Okay. And, hey. that is, and we have, I think that's a result, even at the level of the UN. Yes. And that's why UNESCO has acknowledged the cradle of humanity as in Africa. That settles that question. Okay, let's go to KGM, who's been patiently waiting. Today you're at the Western, Western Cape, KGM. You hope you're safe. KGM, hi. <laughs> good, good afternoon, Pemi. No, Good afternoon to Prof, and good afternoon to, to the listeners. Good afternoon. Just, just to confirm what one uh, fellow caller uh, talked about, the, the similar Setswana speakers in Zambia, the mm-hmm. Avaloji. Yes. Yes. They speak silology. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, Prof. and Pimelo, I've I've done Cape to Cairo four times in my life, driving. Okay. Not, not flying, driving. Uh, I am an indigent of Basara, the people called Basara of Kalahadi. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Now, now I will tell you this much: I grew up up until the age of seven, knowing that there's no difference in humanity we were brought up as basara when i see you regardless of whether whether you are you are dark in pigmentation yeah. or light you you were a human being i got yeah. to know the differences when when i got into the so-called civilization when you go to kalahadi now and you ask a uh, basara who are still so-called uncivilized to borrow from the term they they will not tell you the differences if you put people before them. Okay. Now, even in terms of language, as I was doing Cape to Cairo, I'll tell you that right from here in Cape Town, all the way to Cairo and back, when you take languages that came with the peoples from across the oceans, mm-hmm. you, you leave what is termed African languages. You will hear from dialect, from cliques, and from harmonies that it is the same language. We did not know up until we were segregated and divided that we are different people. In fact, if you take an example, Pemelo, of uh, Abanguni, those mm-hmm. are the children, according to the historians, of Nguni. Now, today they are calling themselves Amatosa, Amandebele, Amaswati, and so forth. But those were the ch- children coming from one household. That just gives you, if we are to borrow from that story, because remember that the story or so-called history is written by the victors. Now, whether the victors at the time of writing their story, 
they have an objective of truth or of victory, it's another question for a debate for another day. The point that I just wanted to confirm is, in my traveling and going through the caves of my forebears Mm -hmm. throughout the continent, you get our footprint. And we as Basara, we never had so-called alphabet, as an example. (laughs) We used what is referred to as drawings to communicate in writing. Let me pause here, Pemu, because I'm not a guest and yeah. thank the professor for the information. <laughs> Prof, I, I want to segue a bit into what he says because I wanted to ask you this specifically. You mentioned the fact that we, we need to be careful about colonial perspectives. Yeah. And, and, and you also distinctly said there is a phonetic similarity in African languages. Okay? Yes. I'm, I want us to talk about where the spelling reference comes from how do africans then determine or how have they determined spelling and what has informed what spelling to use with specific things i'll give you a very quick example when i look at the spelling of your name which which we sound as moshe and i hope i'm right in saying that yes you are right yes it's spelled m u x e yes Right. So um, if I certified it, it would be S-H-E. Yes. In spelling. What informs the spelling of these very similar phonetics as you as you made a reference to them? (laughs) I think we need a whole year seminar. (laughs) (laughs) I think so quickly. Yes. Quickly. um, Um. Whose alphabet are we using? Yes, that's the question. Okay. Yeah. Which alphabet is it? How different is it from other alphabetical systems? Hmm. What we are using now, the alphabet we are using from A to Z is Western. Hmm. Okay? It's Western. The most tragic thing that has ever happened in human history that the African alphabet has been erased almost to extinction. Mm. Yes. If you look very carefully, go back to the Khoisan rock paintings. There's where you can begin to sense where the poem comes from. The Khoisan writings on the rocks don't coincide with the Western alphabet. Those signs are pronounced differently, and they interact with each other differently. It's a different grammatical and syntactical logic mm-hmm. to find there. Unfortunately, because of history and histories of colonialism, our, we lost our alphabet. Mm-hmm. So what we have now is African languages. African sound systems, African semantic structures are forced to work within the paradigm of Western uh, uh, alphabets. Hmm. That's where it comes from. Hmm. And that is the, the part of the tragedy we have now. Hmm. There's where we where that's come. So I think there, there's where. But after that, what accounts for 
you know, linguistic differences. Mm -hmm. In my scholarship, and this may not be final, what accounts for phonetic differences are ecological differences. Mm. The ecosystems, why the Chinese speak the way they do, has origin to do with the ecological conditions in which they come from. And that's why there are metaphors, there are analogies, there are fables, can be traced back to their initial geography where they come from. If you look very carefully at, uh, at uh, African languages, particularly in Southern Africa, they have to do with the ecology, the climate, the weather system, mm -hmm. the vegetation. Mm. We take our language from the environment in which we were born. That account, you know, of course, beyond that, mm -hmm. the interactions in time with other identities in the world. Mm -hmm. So that's where we are. If you look very, even English goes through that experience, mm -hmm. there's a difference between what is called English English and South African English. Mm -hmm. South African English emits sounds, you know, my friends, when I was studying in England, English South Africans were regarded as foreigners in England. Because they, they, they sounded so different. And they were ostracized from the English English. So what we have now, the structures, the sound structures, the grammar, the syntax, have to do with ecological, the ecological conditions. And the differences across space and time. Where's it comes from? All right, taking a break. Terence, I do see you. I'm going to come back to you in a short while. Let me take a quick break and I'll be back with more. You're listening to Pimelo Mutine on SAFM. Our Indigenous Knowledge System conversation today is around Batsonga and Professor Moshe Gondo is our guest this afternoon. Terence Ball, who's calling us from Johannesburg, is on the line. Good afternoon. How are you, Prof? You remember me from working with the dictionaries for our indigenous languages. Oh, great. I was very interested to hear you talking, Prof. Um, and, uh, you know, I thought I would phone in because, as you're aware, we do a lot of work as the lexicography units supporting yes. the development of our indigenous languages. Our constitutional mandate is to produce materials which will elevate the status and advance the use of our languages. And indeed, it was the Prof's mother tongue that first got me interested in Southern African indigenous languages and in our heritage in particular. Oh, yes. Now, Prof, I just wanted to mention something. Um, you know, you may know that I've been working also in producing um, stories of our ancestors. Yes. And I've come across some writings written between the 1930s and the 1950s in our indigenous languages. Mm -hmm. Seven of them at that time, Siswati and Uzindabele, were not then written languages. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, these stories are often written interview after interviewing elderly people of that period. 
Mm-hmm. And I have to say, I have read with amazement about a man called Njetimani Mavinda Ngonyama, clan Shivongo. Shivongo. Njetimani Mavinda, yeah. Now, he was an elderly man in 1939 when this was written. And he tells us that he fought under Ngunyan. And he tells us who he fought against, how um, they laid siege to a small village in Mozambique, and Mm -hmm. how a Portuguese man came out and asked for water and was soon accompanied by his wife. Mm At any rate, after all of this, he then goes to Spilonken in the Popa, and he comes to Johannesburg. And he talks about working in Johannesburg and saying money is very difficult because the Boer War has just ended. It's absolutely fascinating. And I thought I'd just mention this to you because it is a national treasure that we are busy now reorthographizing into the current Mm. orthographies and then translating into English to ensure that all South Africans understand more of all of our history and culture and traditions. And I just wondered whether Prof was aware of these words. Is that I think what what he's saying is it's so illuminating, and I think it makes it it paves the way for our discussion beyond this. Why is it? I've always asked in all the years. Why is it that English is translatable into? Isizulu, for instance. Why is it that Isizulu or Sindevele or Swati or Tsonga are translatable into English? A way of saying that at the, the, the profoundest level, the cognitive levels, the, the levels of human cognition are the same. The structures of thinking are the same. And these cognitive similarities find expression in the translatability of languages. Because if fundamentally our cognitive structures were different, our languages would not be translatable. And this is one optimistic, you know, people must use. Beyond politics, beyond apartheid, slavery, colonialism, beyond this, fundamentally, there are basic cognitive structures that link all of us together, mm. that, that reinforce our human bonds. Mm. In COVID-19, COVID-19 has exposed our shared similarity. It has also exposed our shared vulnerability. It does not matter whether you are Swati or Devele or African or Jewish or Italian in COVID-19. We are all human. Mm. We are all vulnerable. Mm. And the solidarity movement is trying to find a framework for bringing us together. What that man is saying now mm. points that direction. It's very important. The colonial anthropologists played around and they were too also, you know, no, 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 vulnerable to colonial politics. But we know now that all those colonial abstractions, all those colonial, you know, uh, uh, forms were an imposition on something that is on fundamentally the same and human. Mm. And that's where we are now. 
Thank you so much, Terence. Wow, what yeah, a lovely sure. call. I, I think just briefly, yes. very briefly, I mean, what is very interesting, Prof, is that what we are coming across now as we reorthographize the writings in the yes. indigenous languages is that our translators, who are all SATI approved translators, are identifying words that have been lost. Yeah. So through our website, we're going to run a competition to say, can we trace these missing words? Because you may find, say, in Setswana, that a word is in, say, Setlapi, which yeah. may not be yeah. commonly known by other Setswana speakers. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and and uh, even in Chitsonga, there are words that uh, I'm told the meanings have yes. been lost or, yes, or the yes. sayings are not quite clear. Mm-hmm. Prof, it's good to hear your voice again, and yeah, I hope we meet up soon. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Terence. Lovely. Thank you for calling in. Wow, what a lovely call. Uh, Prof, let me just take one quick voice note before I let you go. Good afternoon, Timelo and the team and the pro there. I just want to find out what then is the difference between um, Batsongas and the Changanas? How do they differ? Thank you. All right, Prof. Um, w- did you hear that well, Professor? Yes, I did. Okay, go ahead. Just quickly, we don't have much time. Yes. But I'm sure we'll talk beyond this. Mm-hmm. The Tsongas, in terms of history, originally come from the Great Lakes. And they migrated through what is called Zimbabwe now into what is now called Mozambique. Mm-hmm. Originally, they were called the Tongas, not Tongas, Vatonga. Mm-hmm. Now that changed into Vatonga. Even now, when you go to the Great Lakes, you, you talk of Tongas there, mm-hmm. not Tonga. But that is, is the same. It's just, it just a kind of uh, alphabetical variation. But that is the link. Now, when they, when they moved from the Great Lakes, and found themselves in what is called Mozambique. They met what is called Shangan, who came out of Zulu land, led by Son Shangana. And when they met, and the, and, and, and the Shangans also can, could, could, could find much earlier on in what is called now Zimbabwe, Zambia. So there is a confluence of movement, but, but what I'm talking about now is how they came to be together in Mozambique and what happened there. Okay. Today, I won't go into detail. Today we have now Tsongas in this country. Yes. We also have Shangans in this country. Mm-hmm. These two groups are significantly similar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, they may differ in terms of that, that, but fundamentally in terms of their customs, their ceremonies, their rites of passage, their children, they are significantly the same. But they differ because they, 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 the Shangas are associated with the Soshangana and the Songas that come from the Great Lakes. And there are other variations in between. But now they share a co- fairly common language, even in their dialectical differences. Now they are here in this country in South Africa. Mm-hmm. 
and they have to work within the discipline of the so-called republic, which has its own territorial boundaries. <laughs> and because of the Bantustan, there's a tendency to overemphasize the difference between the Tsongas mm-hmm. and the Shangans. Mm-hmm. While they are fundamentally the, the, the same people and the same culture, basically. <laughs> Their royal traditions may differ. Some of us say, I was king, or oh, no, I was king. There are those differences. But those differences are really functions of colonialism. Mm. But fundamentally, they're the same people. Now, there is a theory, by the way, Yes. in linguistics called Urbantu. Urbantu says there is an original, before we call ourselves African, mm-hmm. we call ourselves Tsonga, whatever, were called Bantu. Mm-hmm. Bantu means people. Mm-hmm. That's why our moral philosophy throughout Africa is called Ubuntu. Mm-hmm. What causes us morally and philosophically is that our what the fundamental principle is that we must recognize each other's humanity in each other. That's what Ubuntu means. What did we human? I meet you. I, don't may, I may not know you in Botswana, mm-hmm. but when I meet you, I must recognize my own humanity mm-hmm. in yours. Mm-hmm. And that's Africa's profoundest contribution to civilization. And you find that in the interactions of the Tsongas, the Shangans, how you know they were compromised and separated and mm-hmm. brought together by modern politics. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. What a beautiful lecture. Thank you so much for all of this. We are not done. There are hundreds of people who have questions. So, Prof, I'm going to ask, I'm going to put you on the spot that you've got to come back. I don't know when, but you have to come back because there's so many questions that I cannot no answer. I'll be there for you. <laughs> okay, thank you. I'll be there, thank worry. you. I really appreciate it. Professor Mushem Kondo uh, is a chairperson of Rishaka Forum. Now, listen to how it's spelled. It's R-I-X-A-K-A. Isn't that interesting? R-I-X-A-K-A forum and really appreciate it. That will be available as a podcast. Two o'clock. Let's go to Kanye Silamanyoni for the latest in SABC News.